Podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we get lots of letters, but they are fascinating letters in some respects. And let me explain why. Sometimes, of course, they just hate us. Sometimes they love us. Sometimes they accuse us of weird stuff. But then, well, there's this email we got from somebody a couple of weeks ago. I guess after four years of listening to the Paracast, they have decided to set us adrift and listen to something else. Okay, you know, people are entitled to their opinions. But in this particular case... This person is blaming it on, after listening to the episode we did with Bruce Maccabee, that we are political activists. Randall, are you a political activist? We are. I mean, that was said in the form of a question, as in, we are, with a surprise mark after it. I don't consider myself to be a, a political activist at all. Maybe, to some extent, you know, I fit into the field of ufology activists trying to raise public awareness for that. I mean, even that, nowhere to the extent of, say, someone like Stephen Bassett. What was their reasoning behind this, Gene? Tell us a little bit more. Like, did they give us an example? Of course not. Now, I can trace myself back to the time I was 22 years old, which is three or four centuries ago. My first wife, Geneva, and I signed up for the Young Republicans, That lasted about a year. Of course, Republicans in those years were not like Republicans of today. Anyway, I responded to this person and I said, we're not political activists. You know, very straightforward answer. The email address they gave was fake. We really just don't pay attention to that sort of thing then. I mean, if anything, I consider myself to be uh, somewhat of a peaceful anarchist. So I'm not sure if anarchism and activism are compatible, but but that's me. I don't consider myself any of these things either, but I do not like the idea when somebody writes us and doesn't have the courage to give a proper email address. I mean, what do they expect? Do they think I will find out where they live and send the political correctness police to demonstrate in front of their home or office? What? do they expect? You know, we've got a secret wing of agents that uh, handle this for us. And now we know all about it. And trust me, they'll find out who you are. And, you know, just keep looking over your shoulder, buddy, because uh, you never know when it's going to happen. We will send the ghost of Gray Barker after them. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. (laughs) MJ Benias, tell me honestly. Forthrightly, are you a political activist? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, listen, I'm Canadian. So let me begin by saying um, I apologize for anything I'm going to say for the next couple hours. Um, Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Canadians do not apologize. We say we say sorry, sorry a lot. I'm not sure if I'm a political activist. I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, we all sort of stand for something politically. Do I go out of my way to to you know publicly claim my political affiliation? No, but I also assume that everyone else is Canadian. 
So I just assume everyone sort of has like socialized healthcare, and you know we're all just communists enjoying our our, our free medicine and and, and uh, free education and government controlled dairy products. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I'm a political <laughs> activist, but I'm just kind of used to the way my life is here in Canada. So it's 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 different, I think. Well, it's interesting here to watch the political wins. There's a TV show in Canada that you may or may not know. It's been around almost half your life. It's called Murdoch Mysteries. Yes, I've heard of it. Okay, they call it like a steampunk show where it has sci-fi elements of the late 19th and early 20th century. Okay, but they also do political commentary. So occasionally you'll see an American brought in there and this takes place during the fictional Toronto Police Department of the as I say late 19th early 20th century and you can see a little bit of the snarky back and forth about how they treated those folks down south of them it is a fun show I recommend it it's something of a change and the reason we picked up on it is mostly because of the fact that Right now, a lot of the TV shows that people watch have been delayed because of the pandemic. So it's time to catch up on back catalog. And that's got 13 years of back catalog to catch up on. Here, you can get it through Acorn TV. I have no idea in Canada or in other countries. MJ, we're so happy to have you back. And I know in our forum, Randall mentioned... Your last appearance, which is back in 2019, as one of the best Paracast interviews ever of 2019 or even longer. Wow. Well, listen, I'm honored. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been far too long since we've had you on. And uh, apparently you've been a pretty busy guy. Yes. You are. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life these days. Well, listen, first I want to apologize, actually, Randall and Jean, both to you guys, because at times you'll send me a message and I and I mean to get back to you. But then, you know, my wife goes into labor or I have to suddenly write an article on a deadline or I'm at work or something. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of these 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 odd times where your messages pop up in my inbox and then I can't get back to you. And then I, I literally forget about you because I just have like a million other things. So, listen, I want to apologize first and foremost that, that at times I don't always message you back in in a fast enough or, or a, a reasonable amount of time but yeah no listen life life's been crazy busy um i recently had my third child um my eldest just started school i've been doing a lot of writing uh, working on a lot of projects for tv and, and film predominantly sort of in a consulting capacity um so so it's it's been a very and, and then i work a day job to pay my mortgage so the, it's been a fairly busy um, 2019 and uh, 2020, um, things are starting to kind of slow down. But then, you know, they're ramping back up with my new um, or uh, my new project that, that I'm working on with uh, Tim McMillan and Micah Hanks, um, who are friends of the show. And um, it's just kind of, yeah, things are going crazy. So it, it, it is fairly busy in my life right now. <laughs> well, hey, congratulations on boy number two, child number three. Now, to put things in perspective here. And MJ doesn't mind that we mention this. MJ is 34. He was 34 in July. My son is 34. He was 34 on Batman's birthday, which is February 19th. That's one of the birthdays given for Batman. I mention that because my son is decidedly not a Batman. But on the other hand, the key here is we're dealing with the fact that our guest, to show you how old I am, is slightly younger than my son. 
I mean, that is almost freaky. Well, we need young people in the field, and this is really awesome that you are carrying on in the field with uh, an interest in not just UFOs, but I imagine the paranormal and a other wide range of interests. I'd like to know more about uh, this project that you were just talking about that you'll be working on with uh, Tim McMillan and Micah Hanks. What's that all about? Sure. So um, this has sort of been rel- – it's been a lot of hullabaloo recently. Um, we announced um, that that the three of us are um, starting a news site. Um, it's called The Debrief. Um, I would encourage everyone to go on Facebook or Twitter and, and, and you know, like us and follow us. Um, you can find us at Debrief Media on, on Twitter. And then on Facebook, it's just um, – I believe just at the debrief, um, you'll find us anyway. Um, or just shoot me a message, um, at MJ Benias is fine. And it's, it's a, it's a news media site that's dedicated to, um, uh, basically news stories about emerging science technology, uh, emerging defense technology, um, and, and as well as just overall, um, filling a certain niche in, in, the market that exists concerning the topic of, of UFOs, um, other sort of uh, esoteric maybe phenomena or, or anomalies that exist, um, and treating them with you know the respect they deserve. MJ Benias is going to debrief us with Gina Randall. You're in the Paracast. Paracast people, I'm Greg Carlwood, the host of the Higher Side Chats podcast, an uninterrupted and action-packed interview-based show where I talk to some of the brightest minds for our troubled times about all things paranormal, occult, esoteric, and conspiratorial. After 10 years, we've heard it all. Alien moon bases, archons, hollow earth, technocratic and biomedical agendas, magic, mind control, and Lovecraftian monsters. Oh my. Usually, the first hour of the show is free, and the second hour is for members who sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus at $8 a month. But praise be, we're giving Paracast listeners two free weeks of Plus when you use the all-caps coupon code PARACAST. Go to thehiresidechats.com, sign up with the code PARACAST, and dive into the nearly never-ending archive of great interviews I've been lucky enough to get over the years, from David Politis to David Icke, and many, many guests not named David. Check it out. You're going to love it. All right, Gene, was that good? Can we use that one? Attention business owners body slammed by overwhelming debt. If your business is in trouble, hassled by creditors, if you're frustrated, finally fed up with big business bailouts while your business has been left for dead, please listen close. There's a brand new fast track bankruptcy. Some have even called it the biggest small business bailout in American history. Designed for individuals and their businesses. And look, almost no one knows about this yet. My attorney wasn't even aware of it. The truth is, beating the system has never been easy because it's rigged in a sense against the little guy. But here's the jaw-dropping news nobody's talking about. They've literally just changed the system so that you can beat it. But only if you understand how the new game has to be played. Find out if you qualify at pocketsoflight.com. This government-backed small business repair program is still legal, but may not be renewed after the election. Fight back fairly. Fight back ethically at pocketsoflight.com. Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. 
It's when you start to try to get back into like an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family. The DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back together. Visit DAV.org to learn more about our mission. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So MJ Benias is here and he's telling us about this new project. And he's here to debrief us about a lot of stuff. Now, I assume the site is just getting up as of the time that we record this show. So as time passes, you'll be fleshing it out with content, right? Yeah, the plan is to release news stories on a, on a daily basis. Um, obviously, it's just the three of us. So so it's going to start off, you know, at, at a slightly slower pace. Our plan is to release a, an article or two, maybe three a day. You know, as time goes on, hopefully we can, you know, start picking up some more writers, uh, whether freelance or, or on contract and, and start pumping out sort of more content. But the focus mainly being on emerging exotic science, uh, emerging technology uh, and, and defense. And, and basically we want to look at where science technology is going to be in the next century. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of looking at, at the future of of technology and, and scientific discovery and, and where we're going to be as a species. So you can expect a lot of articles concerning artificial intelligence, concerning space and, and astronomy, uh, lots of articles um, concerning uh, health and, and medicine into the future and, and you know, the prolonging human life. And like I said, the occasional article about unidentified aerial phenomena, perhaps something, you know, even a little more esoteric, like um, remote viewing and, and, and some of the studies that were done there. Um, and we're also going to look at, at sort of, you know, regular good old fashioned science and, and technology of today, but, but really filling the niche of providing some respectful and 
and rigorous research and dialogue concerning UFOs, predominantly as as an issue of, of, of national security, of scientific development, of technological development. You know, unfortunately, there's no mainstream news source out there that, that really treats the subject with consistent respect. And that's where the debrief wants to to fill that void. We want to treat this topic with the respect it deserves and not devolve into one sort of ridiculous speculation or two playing X-Files music in the background as as we talk about the subject and putting on our tinfoil hats. Um, well, you know what? I should tell you, everybody, since you're covering the 21st century, that Warp Drive will be invented in 2063 by mm. Zephram Cochran. That's right. And the Vulcans will show up. That's right. And the Vulcans in Star Trek Discovery will have reunited with the Romulans, but that is a spoiler of the First Order. Don't ask me yeah. to explain any of that because I don't cover it. If you're talking about season three of Discovery, I haven't seen all of the episodes thus far. So if you just dropped a big spoiler, I'm going to be furious. Well, I kind of did, but it's not ah, enough to really geez. make a difference. There's an article about it. It's been nice being on your show, Gene. Thanks very much. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> no, we're going to beam you back. We're going to beam you back <laughs> and you'll be stuck here. You'll be stuck in the Phantom Zone. Now, that's the wrong series. Anyway, seriously speaking, will you also be writing about culture in ufology as you've done in your own work? You know, I think that will be something I may potentially continue doing with um, other publications. Our, our focus at the debrief is is predominantly science and technology news. Um, you know, at times we might dabble in in aspects of culture, but realistically, our focus is is to talk about not only scientific and technological developments today, but but what they mean for us as time goes on. So when we, you know, if we talk about, for example, you know, right now I'm researching, for example, an article on um, unmanned, uh, like lethal drones, lethal unmanned aerial vehicles, so so military drones, um, and really looking at what's going to happen in the next 50 years as these drones become cheaper, as they become easier to use, and, and ultimately as governments are, are better able to buy them, what does that mean when the older models or, or when governments decide to put them in the hands of, let's say, non-state actors or terrorist groups? So so are we going to be dealing with, with you know, in the next 50 years, you know, terrorist organizations that have access to military-grade, you know, weaponized drones? And what does that mean for national defense? What does that mean for, for us? So, you know, ultimately, that's kind of the focus of the site, kind of talking about the world today, where technology and science is today, and then extrapolating out uh, into the future and exploring where we are potentially going to be in 50 years and in, in a century. While culture, I think, is, is a part of that, um, we can definitely dabble in that. The, the focus right now is to stick to sort of just the facts and the science. If you check Wikipedia, there is something called the IXS Enterprise, which is a concept of a possible craft that could use a warp drive of some sort. So sure. they're really Listen. looking at this stuff and considering it. And that's what we want to do, right? And I think the question of, of unidentified aerial phenomena and UFOs and even aspects of, of let's say, paranormal events, remote viewing, you know, telekinesis, psychokinesis, uh, and even into sort of the even stranger stuff. 
you know, I think there's a place and room in, in the scientific community and, and in scientific endeavor and technological endeavor to try and understand sort of what these things are. You know, I'll, I'll be frank, there's been a lot of, of hubbub about an article that we we're going to drop sort of shortly after our launch concerning UAP um, and, and concerning um, uh, significantly more information about the the UAP task force that's running out of the Pentagon and, and the Office of Naval Intelligence. And, and I think the big takeaway from that article, and I think the big takeaway from overall, the overall theme of just what we're going to do is, is really looking at, you know, what, what does this mean when, when the, the, the best military in the world is unable to identify an object, um, and then their top brass go on the record for the first time, maybe sort of pointing at these objects and saying, like, we we can assure you that these are not Chinese or Russian made, uh, nor are they our own. So so who's flying these things? Right. Um, and I think that that's kind of where people need to sort of start. People need to start kind of understanding the UFO topic is, is maybe headed in a, in a bit more of an official capacity, a bit more official way to to. Uh, see that that the UFO topic is not just some farmer in his field who who got abducted by little gray aliens. You know, we're now dealing with national security issues. We're dealing with with the military engaging with objects that it can't um, identify, and and moreover is prepared to sort of say it's definitely not us. Uh, and it's definitely not somebody we've we've fought before, or at least we're, we're we're watching currently. So, you know, what what does this mean for us, and what does this mean for our future? Right? What what can we then glean from this information as a species, and and moving into the twenty second century? Um, you know, what is this overall kind of adjustment in 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 the the laws of physics and 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 the laws of aviation and propulsion and all that mean mean for us? And that's sort of where this site wants to go. We want to take what we know now extrapolate out, for example, like you just mentioned, the warp drive um, and, and see, you know, is this something that that's feasible scientifically? And who are the scientists at the very cutting edge of their field? Who are the scientists at the very fringes of, of physics and chemistry and biology and, and, and the rest? What are they saying about concepts such as the warp drive, for example, or, or other propulsion systems? Um, and what are they working on right now? Uh, and, and, and how can we make that more of a reality today? Today, we're going to pause a moment here. We've got MJ Benias. We're talking about Debrief, his new project that, amongst other people involved, our friend Micah Hanks, and we look forward to this. And he's giving us more information of the kind of news it will provide. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. 
Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. Pennsylvania's Supreme Court has dismissed a lower court order that put a hold on the state's election certification process. The suit that prompted the hold, led by Republican Congressman Mike Kelly, had sought to invalidate all of the more than 2.5 million mail-in ballots in the state, calling the changes to Pennsylvania's absentee voter laws unconstitutional. The seven-judge panel disagreed, saying the time limit to challenge the voting law passed last year had expired. The San Francisco 49ers and Stanford Cardinal football teams will have to find a temporary home after new coronavirus restrictions were put in place prohibiting contact sports in Santa Clara County, California. Update today to the Professional Sports and Collegiate Sports Directive will temporarily suspend activities that require direct physical contact or interaction in Santa Clara County. James Williams of the Santa Clara County Council there. This is USA Radio News. The U.K. will start cracking down on big tech by the end of the year. Lance Pry has more from the USA Radio News West Coast Bureau. The United Kingdom will impose new rules next year to prevent Google and Facebook from using their dominance to push out smaller firms and disadvantaged consumers. The code will be enforced by a dedicated unit within the Competition and Markets Authority, or CMA. The CMA wants to crack down on Internet giants swallowing up smaller firms and is set to issue detailed plans in December. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. Online Black Friday sales hit a new high as the pandemic kept many away from physical stores on the day after Thanksgiving. According to Adobe Analytics, shoppers spent about $9 billion online on Black Friday, breaking the previous record of $7.4 billion set in 2019. Retailers have reported that foot traffic on the day known as the busiest shopping day of the year was down by more than half on Friday. The company estimates another 10 to $12 billion could be spent on Cyber Sunday. This is USA Radio News. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or medical care, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Hi. 
I wanted to just get back to one thing here, having mentioned the Pentagon's UAP task force. Two weeks ago, we had Stephen Bassett on the show. Of course, he is a lobbyist. He is focusing less on science than on the practical matter of what is it that this task force can do? Are they a meaningful way to learn more about UFOs, UAPs, than simply come out and say, well, they don't represent a threat to our national security. Goodbye. What's your Um, take on it and its potential? Sure. Uh, I I think where Steve and I, and I think Steve myself, like where I think myself, Micah, and and Tim McMillan differ from from Steve is, I think Steve rests on the side that the UAP task force or, or the government, or at least, you know, members of the government are aware that, and then have evidence that, you know, let's say an extra extraterrestrial intelligence or something is visiting earth and, and, and they're holding on to this evidence. And they're hiding it from us for some purpose, typically nefarious. And, and his job in all this is to, is to try and force them to, to sort of show their cards. I, I think, you know, all of our sources within the UAP task force and, and all the individuals we've spoken to, um, you know, I think they are, are, are probably not as, as aware of, of really what's, what's going on as, as, as maybe Steve thinks. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion within the office of Naval intelligence, within the Pentagon, within all the intelligence structures and, and, and military branches as well, air force, Navy, um, there, these objects, sort of are there they, they they pop in and out they you know they show up but but the inherent problem is is no one's really been able to catch one or get enough information about one to sort of be able to to come up with a workable hypothesis or theory that that exists sort of closer to the realm of fact and not the realm of speculation massett believes they do know the answer and they do have the wreckage of crashed spaceships already Okay, so so you know that's even more to one side than, than I think we're necessarily prepared to go, and, and where we believe that the UAP task force is. I don't think they have wreckage of anything. I, I think they don't know what's going on um, as much as we don't know what's going on. The difference might be they have the resources, for example, to to track these objects. Obviously, much much better than like for example, civilian organizations can. They have the the military infrastructure to engage with them in some way as we've seen with the tic tac and as we've seen with um the the, the footage from the, the gimbal and the go fast uh, out of ttsa and, and the new york times you know they have the ability to to scramble a jet for example to to record a video of it where you know a, a, a civilian group like mufon for example will never be able to do that but i'm not convinced of all the sources we've spoken to out of the pentagon and the office of naval intelligence and in the air force and in the navy i'm not convinced that they have any idea of what's actually going on i think they're as stumped as the rest of us the inherent problem is when you have the air force and the navy or or your intelligence organizations being stumped um this leads to problems right no intelligence organization wants to say well yeah we we don't know what's going on because ultimately then it's a, it's an intelligence failure it, we need to be better than that they would sort of say we need to know what's going on but the problem is the phenomenon whatever it is whatever these things are whoever they belong to whether they're from somewhere else or whether they're local to earth whoever these things belong to seem to be doing things that you know they shouldn't be able to do and and again from a military perspective from an intelligence gathering perspective um, that raises a lot of eyebrows 
because it's really their job and their duty to understand what these things are. And when they perform in ways that contradict that or when they act in ways that contradict that or when it comes to trying to chase one down um, and, and the best military in the world can't, we get you know, stuck in this weird world of, of like, oh, crap, what do we do next? And, and I think that that's where maybe this task force is, is trying to fill that gap. What is the next step? Oh, okay. So, oh, wow, a lot to cover there. First of all, we know Micah Hanks, a uh, really smart guy. We're talking about uh, the Graylian report, very level-headed, pretty talented, too. Uh, Tim McMillan, we're not as familiar with. Now, I, I'm assuming here, and I'm just, I'm just guessing, I could be wrong. That you're talking about Tim McMillan, the writer that works with Popular Mechanics? Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Retired Tim's police a, lieutenant, intelligence analyst from Savannah, Georgia? Yes. Very good. So tell us a little bit more about Tim's background and how he fits into the picture. Uh, Tim is a Russian spy. No, I'm just joking. I'm just, I'm, he, he's going to kill me for saying that. No. Um, yeah, Tim is, um, I've known Tim now for a few years. Um, he, I can be honest, he was never really a UFO guy, actually. Um, he, he was, he was a police officer for a long time. Um, he began, um, after he retired from the police force, he, he did a lot of consulting work, um, for other law enforcement agencies, such as the FBI. He did a stint with some other, I believe, intelligence groups. Um, again, just consulting work. Predominantly, his, his area of expertise um, is psychology. So so how to glean information from, from other people and, and how to collect uh, information from them, you know, sort of, um, how do I say this, sort of in a way that doesn't sound insidious, um, how to build a relationship with people and then have them communicate with you the information that you want to get from them, right? That's sort of his expertise. Right, develop um, sources. That's, I mean, every, every, every journalist, investigative journalist, needs to develop sources. And that brings me to the next question. Uh, who exactly have you been talking to? It sounds like you've been talking to people who are actually on active duty in the Department of Defense in the United States. Uh, and perhaps Canada. So, so tell us more about who exactly you've been talking to. Yeah. So, so this is the inherent problem that that I can't necessarily get into. Um, listen, we, you know, th- it's no secret that, um, you know, I've written many articles, um, and, and Tim's written articles, um, you know, and we've interviewed sort of at length individuals such as Luis Elizondo, Chris Mellon. Um, we've generally spoken to sort of the whole cast and crew of To the Stars Academy. Um, and, and, okay. and all those, and all those individuals. That, when right, it comes to, hang yeah, on. When, okay, so that's kind of what I figure. And, and most of our audience is fairly well informed about, about those players. Uh, are there others that no, nobody knows sure. about yet? Yes. I mean, yeah. you don't have to name names, but you've got some of your own contacts as well. And, uh, okay, th- that's really interesting. Now, so how is it then? We've all, we're, we're already seeing the two of the Stars Academy people try to do this. We're seeing the SCU, formerly the Coalition for Ufology, change to uh, aerospace studies, I believe. Uh, yeah, unidentified aerospace studies. Or, or, uh, yeah. 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 And, uh, 
so, I mean, what is going to set you apart and how do you plan on, on competing with those guys? And why did you guys decide to go independent as opposed to, say, teaming up with the SCU or the TTSA? Um, right. So so I, I think initially um, I, I would just right off the bat say, you know, Tim, myself and Micah, um, we're, we're, we're journalists sort of at heart. Um, you know, we write uh, news stories and, and we, we write features and do investigative pieces, um, for, for journal journalistic organizations, right? Tim and I have both written for vice popular mechanics. I've written for the globe and mail. Mike has written for, um, mysterious universe. I think he's done a few stints with, with some local papers and, and some, and some sort of regional papers in his, in his area. Um, so we're all journalists. Um, the, the scientific coalition for ufology or scientific coalition for unidentified aerial phenomena. Um, you know, it's, that's not a, a journalist, journalistic organization, right? That's um, a research group. You could, you could sort of say they're a think tank. Um, we are not, um, and our strength is not doing research in that sort of way. Our, our, we, we're storytellers and we're journalists. Um, and same thing for TTSA. TTSA is not a, a journalistic organization. It's not a news site. Again, it's a sort of think tank slash research group um, slash entertainment company. We have to do a break here. But with TTSA, you know, when you go to that site, sometimes it's not even possible to know what they are. MJ, Gene, Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam, meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. 
You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the health insurance hotline today. Learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates. This is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates. So call right now to learn more. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. Call 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800 296 1252. 800 296 1252. 800 I mean, if you go to the TTSA site, MJ Benias, I challenge you to tell me without spending a little time going through it, what it's all about. I, I think it's supposed to be framed as a sort of think tank slash media company. But but again, you're right. It, it, it's pretty nebulous and, and nobody really knows what it is. Um, Tim, myself and Micah wanted to create a news site that that focuses on the topics we were interested in covering. Um, and I think and I think, you know, we, we need to be pretty clear, you know, the debrief will cover anomalistics, as I call it, right, sort of the study of UAP or, or other sort of odd phenomena. Um, but it's not going to be exclusively that. And I, and I think that that readers who are sort of looking for an exclusively sort of UFO related site, I think the debrief is, is not going to be what they're expecting. We're going to do a lot of news stories about, you know, very, very sort of prosaic concepts that 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 people deal with on a, on a regular basis in the scientific and, and technological communities you know again as i mentioned earlier you know tim micah and myself we're, we're journalists at heart and and we couldn't find a place really in the scu or ttsa that that would let us do that, that you know and that being said i'm a member of of the scu you know i'm an affiliate member i think what they're doing is really important um and i have i have nothing but the utmost respect uh, for that organization, but you know, it's not a, a journalistic organization. They don't they don't do the news, and and that's what we want to do. Uh, we want to be a news site that covers these topics and covers.
covers other topics uh, on on sort of the scientific fringes and the technological fringes that that no one else is really covering and giving respect to those fringes that that I think they they deserve. Putting this all in perspective, we live in a world where some groups of people, a far surprising number, consider science and mainstream media news people as the enemy of the state. So launching a technology-oriented site that deals with science, how do you navigate those waters? I I think this is, and I'll be frank, um, I think this is, I'll also be MJ, uh, that's a terrible joke, sorry. Um, I think that this is largely an American phenomenon. I don't think that the rest of the world, especially in the West, has really abandoned science for other things um, and the mainstream media as sort of being this sort of dark cabal of of deep state actors. This is predominantly a a U.S. thing. Websites about science and technology are going to be around for a really long time because that's the way the world's going. I think we enter these kind of brief stints when people become nervous, they become anxious, you know, like COVID-19, for example, is, is a great example of a, of a thing that's making people really anxious and nervous and depressed. So they, they start to latch on to this idea that that the mainstream media and that, you know, scientific discovery is is some sort of grand conspiracy. But I think that will pass. Um, and I think sort of the world and I think the United States will, will sort of eventually wake up. We don't we this is not something that sort of is occurring in Canada. This isn't really something that's occurring in the rest of, of, of sort of the Western world. So I'm not too concerned about launching a media company about science and technology. I mean, really, let's be honest. This is the time to launch a, a, a website about science and technology. We, we are literally on the cusp of of finding water on the moon spacex is is launching people to the international space station successfully um they've finally gotten faa clearance to do so sort of at will nasa is planning to put people on mars by 2036 i mean we live in the era of 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 this sort of rejuvenated race and 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 sprint to find the unknown we are literally exploring the final frontier of, of, of sort of physical space. And, and that's what this website wants to, to do. It wants to extrapolate out from where we are now into the future. Where will we be in 2036? Will we make it to Mars? What is the big hurdle? And, and beyond that, into the 22nd century. Sorry to break in here, but you sure. know this reminds me of? This reminds me of uh, uh, what I thought was a really cool magazine back in the day called Omni. Yeah. Where th- they did exactly this. It wasn't quite as as dry as Scientific American, but it wasn't like what you know as way out there as a number of others. You, you could say you know that that would delve right into you know like say UFO magazine or something like sure. that. So, but it's it's like right in between. But, but will you feature any kind of fiction or that type you know, of thing? Yeah, you know, again at this moment. Um, it's just the three of us. So, so we are going to do what we can sort of with, you know, three guys doing this. Um, right. Right. You so know. you're, you're going to be competing then with directly with scientific American and like astronomy.com. I mean, those um, kind of, to a point, I think, I think, I think where we're going to be different, I think we're going to set ourselves apart. And this is sort of essential is I think, I think magazines like scientific American, like astronomy.com, like discovery, like quartz, all of these, these Nautilus, all these sort of scientific magazines and technology magazines, yeah, they're incredibly focused on, on the, the sort of highbrow, 
Um, we're going to give you all of the statistics and the details and the information to the point where a normal reader, someone like myself, who, who has uh, some background in science or, or some background in technology, will look at that and say, listen, this is way too much. Like, I can't digest. I can't literally, I can't read computer algorithms that are put on a page. The, the algebra that you're using or the calculus that you're using that you've written out for me here is a little beyond me. What we want to do is we want to take that information. We're, we're going to scrape that information and we're going to bring it down to a level and we're going to debrief our readers. We're going to give you what you need to know about the scientific discovery, what you need to know about this new technology, what you need to know about this new defensive measure that the U.S. Space Force is enacting, what you need to know about space warfare, what you need to know about going to Mars. And we're going to debrief that. We're going to boil that down for you so that it's easy to understand, so that you can look at your phone, look at your laptop, get the information you need within a, a few sentences, read more if you want, and then you can move on to the next story, right? We our, our job is to take complicated ideas and debrief our readers on them so they can make a decision or at least they can have an idea of what, you know, what interests them and, and what they want to read more of in, in an effective way. So, I, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned Omni. Omni is a great example of, of, like you said, sort of this magazine that, that would take these complicated futuristic scientific ideas and, and bring them down to a level that that people like you and I who just, you know, we want to sit around a bar and have a beer and talk about sort of where the world's going next, right? We want to talk about these this cool technology that's being developed and, and then, you know, just, just have a conversation. That's ultimately what the debrief is going to do. We're right, going yeah, to interesting. I mean, allow you to have those conversations. Um, Yes. And I, I absolutely love this idea. Um, we've got a, we've got a thread on the Paracast community forums called "A Science a Minute," and mm. where I'll just post interesting things like that. One of them is recently was uh, deep fakes, and th- yeah. now we've got where computer graphics are so good. There's no more uncanny valley anymore. Uh, they, they it can create on its own characters that look completely lifelike and and replace existing characters in films with them so that you can't tell the difference between who was the original actor and who has been replaced well, of course uh, another- they brought back carrie fisher in the last star wars film right and of course uh, she died before the previous film was done so you know you don't have to get rid of that i mean you can have a superman tv show brand new material and it will star George Reeves. Exactly. It could. And, and George Reeves that. died in 1959 at the age of 45. So just imagine that. And you wouldn't know the difference. The voice, the timbre. Um, of course, we also have AI being developed. And it starts to look to me like, gee, the holographic doctor from Star Trek. We think of that as happening in the... Star Trek Voyager universe, Star Trek Next Generation universe, but you know it's going to be 20 years from now. Yeah, at the rate things are going. Um, a real milestone. I just hope Robert too. Picardo can record the voice of the real holographic doctor <laughs> because we need something that's really sounds really, really positive, not positive, but let's just say knowledgeable. And Robert Picardo certainly sounded like a doctor, I guess. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The I know exactly book? what you're talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. about. I just yeah. wasn't sure you were done yet. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea if I'm done yet. I think people have been trying to. 
make me decide whether I'm done or not. It's Debrief Media, and it's a venture that is beginning now, and it's going to bring technology down to the people, I guess, considering popular mechanics being an example of bringing mechanics down to the people or popular science. That is a tradition certainly worth considering. So we don't have to know our algebra or trigonometry, although I know a bit of both, or did, you know, 50 years ago before I forgot it all. MJ, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game, Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware, not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients, American-made with American ingredients, employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Just think, MJ Benias and J. Randall Murphy, when Gene Steinberg is too old to do this, the holographic gene will take over. Um, we're actually writing an article about that right now. I'm doing research on on creating an alternate gene so that he can, like, literally just take over for you, and no one would notice. It would you you will live forever. Famous Monsters magazine doesn't exist anymore, though. <laughs> Listen, I, I I think that there's a, a place for this, and and I think 
when we when we started talking about this idea originally, you know, we we realized that there exists other magazines or other groups like this. Futurism is a great example. Popular Mechanics is a great example that sort of talks about these topics. Gizmodo at times dabbles in futuristic kind of ideas. I think the inherent problem, though, is, is COVID-19 has really proven that a lot of these legacy magazines, a lot of these legacy news sites are unable to sustain themselves. I, I'm a freelancer. So so when when COVID hit, um, suddenly all of the magazines I wrote for turned around and said, listen, we, we can't pay you. Um, there's no more money in the budget because our advertising revenue is down. And, and in fact, a lot of these legacy magazines like Gizmodo, um, like Futurism, um, like, you know, Motherboard, whatever, sort of had to lay off um, large chunks of their staff um, because COVID-19 completely decimated their 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 sort of ability to to maintain um, their size. Uh, I, I think where the debrief is different is is we are we are approaching this from an inherently sort of surgical approach. Um, our plan is to stay small. Our plan is to remain in our niche. We don't necessarily want to branch out and become the next vice or the next uh, wired wired exactly you know we don't we're not owned by a massive corporation you know wired's a great example you know wired is a great magazine i have nothing but the utmost respect for the editors of wired but they're but they're really chained by the corporation that owns them which is condé nast and condé nast owns dozens of magazines you know they're a massive conglomerate um, and, and ultimately you know wired is going to be sort of bound to what condé nast will allow them to do tim micah and myself you know the perk of being a bunch of freelancers who are hungry and starving and we're ultimately scrappy we have we have no choice but to claw our way up Condé Nast and Wired and 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 Vice they can sit at the top you know Vice is great I mean you know they're owned by Disney and A and E they can rest yeah, on their they walls. didn't start out that way right they I sh- mean who knows I mean true. you might be able to build this into something that's very similar you get enough of a following people have made a really good return on these kinds of investments of time and interest. And I mean, what's the worst that could happen that you learn a whole bunch of really interesting stuff? Yeah, literally. It's funny. I've been writing a bunch of articles for launch. Um, the amount of things I've learned about science and technology in the last, I would say, two weeks is probably more than I've learned in, in, in six months, um, because now I'm, 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 I'm editing more than I'm writing. So I'm getting people sort of submitting articles and, and, and I'm tweaking them. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea this was a thing. And then all of a sudden I, I you know, have this history lesson on the Manhattan Project or or I, I, I learned for the first time what a magnetar was like. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> um, and it's fascinating. And, and, and as you kind of dig deeper, you realize you know, the universe is a really interesting place. And I think the problem for a lot of people is they, they don't necessarily have a place to go to that's able to to give them interesting ideas in a, in a fairly quick way. And, and I think that that's where the debrief is going to is going to be different. And, and, and we're going to be different than than Wired and we're going to be different than Futurism and we're going to be different than the rest of these publications because we will have our fair share of features and, and sort of long form editorial pieces. But really, the bread and butter of the debrief is going to be that you can go to our website and, and or, you know, on your laptop or phone and you can just, you know, here we go. Here's today's debrief. Right. And here's a whole bunch of scientific articles that have come out you know, last night or today, and, and you can get literally within five or six sentences, all the information you need. Um, and if you want to keep reading to get more background, to get more analysis, to get our outlook and our sort of future perspective, keep reading. If you're done, 
you read five sentences, move on to the next story um, and, 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 you know, find something that interests you. And, and that's really what the debrief is about, where we're basing our model off of um, the way intelligence reports and the way intelligence briefings are, are generated. If, you know, you don't have a lot of time when when you're dealing with with you know a, a situation to 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 read a whole bunch of information then make a decision sometimes you got to make a snap decision and the way the debrief is modeled is is we give you all of the information immediately within sort of a, a short span of time you know you can read it in 20 seconds and then you can decide you know, is this an article I want to keep reading about because I'm interested or do I want to move on? I think that this for science and technology and, and all the things we want to cover will, will really compel, hopefully, a lot of readers to come to our site. Oh, I love the idea. I absolutely love the idea. Um, well, even on our site today here at the Paracast Community Forums, we got talking about some of these new vaccines that are coming out, The what are called the mRNA vaccines. And I've had to do a whole bunch of digging to just figure out exactly what they're talking about, how they sure. work, how they target the the disease itself. And uh, it, it, people, most people just don't have the time to do that. They want to know what it is because we're going to be getting this thing stuck into us, right? But how much do we really know about it? So it's a, a site like yours that can explain that to people, I, I think is is would actually be a really good public service. Well, listen, I, I appreciate it. Um, I really hope that I really hope that people visit the site. I really hope that people use it. And, when are you launching? Our plan is to launch November 30th. So. What's the website um, going to be? Like the URL? Yeah. Oh, sure. It's www.thedebrief.org. Um, but like I said, you can follow us on Twitter at Debrief Media. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. You can just sort of type in the debrief and we pop up. Um, so we're we're on Twitter and Facebook right now. And, and like I said, the debrief.org is the URL. We're going to be looking for how this updates. It's, it sounds really, really fascinating. Just to background this mRNA, supposedly this is perfected and everything with the new vaccines. They will be able to tailor a version of this for other diseases with a simple reprogramming, which is astounding that they could do it. That Of course, you still have to give it the process of testing. You'd have to undergo the testing for its efficacy. But, you know, this could really be a big change, a sea change. Just getting back to the UAP, UFO thing here. And since you mentioned it certainly as part of your coverage angle here, do you honestly expect, MJ Benias, that this new group, assuming it is something new within the U.S. government, will get anything done in any foreseeable amount of time? Well, you know, I guess it depends on what you mean by, by get anything done. Um, you know, the, the, ta- the task force is... is it's a, it's a it's a it's a defense organization, right? It's a, it's a group of of intelligence people as, as well as navy, um, well, officers and and civilians who whose role it is is to identify exactly what these objects are when they enter U.S. airspace. 
there's not going to be, I think, coming out of the UAP task force, any sort of, you know, sort of quote unquote disclosure of, of extraterrestrial technology or the fact that we have handshake agreements with the reptilians or the Zeta reticuli or, you know, like not, none of that. Like, I don't, that, I, I don't think that's any of that's real. Um, I, I think what we're going to be dealing with and I think what the UAP task force is going to be fundamentally dealing with is. It's going to be collecting as much evidence as it can as to what. As to how these engagements occur, and basically trying to figure out what these things are, um, and ultimately crossing things off the list. You know, listen. You know, we need to be honest. You know, drones, unmanned aerial platforms, new weapon systems are going to be buzzing American airspace from from foreign countries, countries like China, for example, that have sort of very elaborate and active drone programs and, and whatever. So, so the UAP task force is definitely going to be dealing with that. You know, you have a, a Chinese hypersonic drone that rips through American airspace to test something. The, the Americans are going to spot it. And the UAP task force is probably going to be the group that's going to investigate this, you know, but they know it's Chinese or they know it's Russian. Or they know it's from some foreign state. Let's break it. Let's break it here. MJ, Gene, Randall, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's not over. Sadly, our nation is going through tough times again with no end in sight, and nobody knows what might happen next year. That's why it's a good idea to plan ahead so you aren't caught off guard. Nothing's more important than having enough food to eat, and we're here to help. We're My Patriot Supply, America's leading emergency preparedness company. We provide long-term emergency food that lasts up to 25 years in storage. When grocery stores run empty or disasters strike, our foods will be there when you need it most. Act now and secure at least a four-week emergency food kit full of tasty meals that provide 2,000 calories a day. We have dozens of emergency food storage kits to choose from. When the government tells you not to go out, you can have the peace of mind that comes from being prepared. When you order from MyPatriotSupply.com, your food will arrive discreetly at your doorstep in no time. Prepare today. Time is short. MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. 
Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. To advertise your business, one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at gcnlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at gcnlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. You see, based on the reports from their spokespeople of what they're going to do, the concern is a threat to national security by objects, craft, invading our airspace. That is not the same thing as whether this has an unworldly or otherworld or off-world origin, although that could come into the picture. But it also gives them an out, don't you think, MJ, where they could say, well, it doesn't represent a threat, goodbye. And that's, of course, what the Air Force did for years with Project Blue Book. No evidence that this represents a threat to national security. Okay, bye-bye. Now, it may be that if UFOs were spaceships, they don't represent a threat because they're not doing anything that harms us. They're just around. But that also gives them an escape valve. You know, to a point, I'm sure you've you've read the Condon Report. I mean, the abstract of the introduction of the Condon Report states that UFOs are not something worth studying. They're not a threat to national security. It's basically a waste of time. But then when one actually goes into the Condon Report, like a thousand pages of it, you know, you quickly find out that a good chunk of those cases are, are actual unknowns. And, and the, the Condon Committee was sort of left stumped by, by a lot of them and was unable to identify them. The thing is, though, when Project Blue Book ended in 69, you know, we know for a fact that, that, that the United States' interest in investigating aerial incursions of unknown origin into U.S. airspace didn't stop. There's countless intelligence gathering services in the United States. Well, okay, there's, there's a lot of them. I think you have like 17 intelligence gathering agencies within the United States. And and in within, especially within recent time, you know, with the birth of, of the space program and, and, and sort of, you know, satellites that are able to to map the planet and, and constantly sort of monitoring the planet. You have three or four organizations that, that are constantly sort of, let's just say, using satellite technology to, to you know, scan the Earth's surface almost, you know, 24-7. Um, 
via satellites and, 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 and other sort of technologies, you know, obviously they're exploring and, and looking into aerial incursions into airspace. That's their job, right? They're defense organizations. To say that, you know, Blue Book ended and it was an out, you know, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure if the UAP task force is, is, is sort of like they're, they're not necessarily sitting there and saying, you know, we're here to prove or disprove these things are alien ships or, or, or whatever. I don't really think that's their role. What's more compelling, what's more interesting is is their job is really to, to look at aerial incursions of unknown origin. But then when those aerial incursions defy or at least appear to defy known laws of, of physics or, or aerodynamics or aviation, that's when things become really interesting, right? And that's the, that's that's sort of the ideas we, we want to explore. We need to, I think, get out of our own way um, as, a, as a UFO community and as and as, as a subculture or whatever you want to refer to us as. We're, we're far too embedded into our own mythology and we're far too embedded into this, this sort of ideology we've created for ourselves that UFOs are aliens or UFOs are interdimensional or UFOs are time travelers or whatever. We don't know any of that. All we do know and all the UAP task force has, has come sort of come out and publicly stated or the Pentagon or ATIP or whoever you want to refer to sort of these government organizations that have been investigating the phenomenon. All they've really, really come out and said is, listen, we have evidence that suggests there exists aerial incursions in our history that we've recorded on video or that our pilots have encountered that do not make sense, right? They remain unidentified. And we can confirm that they're not Chinese or Russian or other technology, at least not that our our intelligence has been able to gather. We also are able to confirm that they're not necessarily American test crafters. So ultimately, we're left with this odd question mark. So if it's not Chinese or it's not Russian or it's not some other state power and it's not our own, what the hell is it? And I think yeah. that that's well, where it's we... obvious, MJ. Like, look, you know, I think that I'm we've not sure if it's held... obvious. Randall? I, 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 yeah, no. Look, we've been held hostage far too long by these people who are using language to discredit people who know that what we're dealing with is something alien. When we're talking about something that comes from beyond the boundaries and constructs of our civilization, and nobody knows what it is, by its very definition, it's something alien. And that doesn't have to mean something science fiction-y or tinfoil hat ufology, fringe ufology. That's right out of just basic natural science, if you look at the definition of what alien is. I mean, let, let's just call it what it is and quit being afraid of it. I, I think this whole fear of ridicule and embarrassment over saying, yeah, we're being visited by aliens is ridiculous. And we have that's what we have to get over. <laughs> I mean, honestly, again, maybe I'm not totally sure if I if I agree with you, because the problem is when when people start saying, you know, we're being visited by aliens or extraterrestrials. That that comes with a, a significant amount of, of, of sort of baggage of, of what that means. And, oh, and really, okay. it's sort of influenced right. by media and movies and TV shows as to what that I, means. Right. But last time you were on here, we really made some good progress. That's because, and we both agreed on this, that baggage represents some of the most interesting and colorful aspects of the cultural aspect of ufology that there is. So... I mean, really, if you can look at it objectively and say, okay, well, I'm not necessarily a believer in Rael, but 
look at this particular kind of religious cult that we've got going here that believes these particular things, and this is the mythology about them, and you look at it from an objective point of view, and it can become a really interesting study. And from a cultural standpoint, I agree with you. I think from a, from a cultural standpoint, I'm very, very interested in, in how we as a species have, have created the, the sort of mythologies and ideologies that form around this idea of aliens or extraterrestrials. That's fascinating to me. Um, but from the perspective of, let's say, the UAP task force, for example, you know, I'm not sure if, if they are there yet. I'm not sure if they're prepared to go down that road yet. Um, and maybe they are. And maybe they're just playing coy. And, and no, I agree you know, with you on that. They're not going to go down that because that's not what they're interested in. They're not necessarily interested in, you know, what f- the next big film is that features aliens is about. You know, that's this the whole entertainment side of it. I mean, if we were to say that Close Encounters has nothing to do with ufology, we'd just be wrong. It, it, it does. Uh, you know, so we've got ufology culture. We've got entertainment. And then way over, say, on the on the left side, we've got ufology studies. And then down in this little area in that subsection we've got the serious lab work that might be done on metamaterials that are allegedly found at some crash site you know or the radar returns or the bricks that were taken from the ships where they had these things being tracked on that sort of thing but that represents such a small part of the overall field of ufology that in personally i think is probably the least most important part well, the rest of it is huge. Sure. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I recently um, was able to interview Seth Shostak at SETI. Um, you know what? Ooh. That almost makes a good cliffhanger as we hang from the cliff here. And we'll have more and MJ's interview with Seth Shostak. And don't say that five times fast backwards because your mouth will completely be destroyed by it. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech Carbine Upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine Tablets. 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. Pennsylvania's Supreme Court has dismissed a lower court order that put a hold on the state's election certification process. The suit that prompted the hold, led by Republican Congressman Mike Kelly, had sought to invalidate all of the more than 2.5 million mail-in ballots in the state, calling the changes to Pennsylvania's absentee voter laws unconstitutional. 
The seven-judge panel disagreed, saying the time limit to challenge the voting law passed last year had expired. The San Francisco 49ers and Stanford Cardinal football teams will have to find a temporary home after new coronavirus restrictions were put in place prohibiting contact sports in Santa Clara County, California. Update today to the Professional Sports and Collegiate Sports Directive will temporarily suspend activities that require direct physical contact or interaction in Santa Clara County. James Williams of the Santa Clara County Council there. This is USA Radio News. Iran's president has promised retribution after the apparent assassination of the country's top nuclear scientist. In a statement Saturday, Hassan Rouhani called for justice against those who had perpetrated the killing. Retired four-star General Jackin says the Iranians are likely to retaliate in some way against the U.S. and may just be biding their time. He told Fox News that the country hadn't previously reacted to another assassination earlier in the year. There's likely to be some retribution, not only for this assassination attack, but also the assassination attack on Qasem Soleimani, uh, a little less than a, than a year ago. And there's really been no effective retribution for that. I, I think they have been on pause, waiting to see the outcome of the U.S. election and waiting to see what their options are before they begin any escalation, which could turn quite negative uh, for them. And Missouri shut out Vanderbilt Saturday 41 to nothing, but history was made on the football field as Vandy's Sarah Fuller became the first woman to play in a major conference college football game. This is USA Radio News. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. This is me, the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast. The gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. So MJ interviewed Seth of SETI. Tell us more. So I was able to sit down with Seth Shostak, and, and he and we were talking about, um, you know, the, the SETI project and, and how, you know, uh, basically I was, where is SETI going to be in, you know, 20 years or whatever. So we had a great conversation, and, and his um, he had a very interesting sort of comment concerning UFOs. And he's actually really into UFOs um, and, and more so the culture of ufology. Um, and he said, you know, the inherent problem with with ufology as a movement, let's say, or a cultural construct, or a, I guess a, a, a subculture, is a lot of ufology is, is based purely on, on anecdotal events where, where, where science can't really be done, right? We can't really take anecdote and turn it into reproducible lab results. And he said, that's sort of the difference. He said, for example, like between SETI and, and the rest of ufology is, you know, we're looking for 
signals and 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 information on on you know distant civilizations and whatever. But these signals are going to be reproducible, and 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 we are able to to prove they exist via science. Um, and he says, unfortunately, you know, with ufology, and he says, you know, not to badmouth the ufo community or ufo culture but he says unfortunately it's all based on a lot of anecdote so randall when you when you sort of say you know these 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 more scientific endeavors right the, the sort of the bare minimum aspect that that kind of tiny little percentile of the ufo culture that's engaging in in the scientific work is sort of the, the least important i agree with you culturally in that really the vast majority of ufology doesn't care about the science but the individuals who are doing the science the individuals who are who are trying to engage in creating reproducible lab tested results that can be peer reviewed by other scientists that's really i think what's going to move the ball forward versus just sort of the last seven decades of just kind of spinning out the same old narratives over and over and over again you know i mean how many times has mj12 sort of reared its ugly head in the last two years i mean how is this still a thing right or or for some reason richard Doty shows up again and starts doing conferences (laughs) for a year it's like it's like we're on like loop right oh yeah Um, yeah well we had richard Doty on the powercast i know a couple of years back and it was fun to have him on but of course you can't take him seriously but you have to wonder who and what he thinks he is and what he was really doing to even be where he is. He does have a real intelligence background. Yeah. I was able to interview Richard Doty for a very long time for my book. It was, it's been out for a couple of years now, but in my book, I interviewed Richard and it's funny. We probably spoke off and on for half a year, six months or so. And we would text each other. And, and I would say like 90% of our conversations were about our kids. Like he would talk about his grandkids and I would talk about my kids. And we talked about food and we talked about beer and we talked about really normal, like human things. Right. And he wasn't sort of this, this monster that the UFO mm-hmm. community painted him to be the sort of disinformation agent who ruined Paul Benowitz's <laughs> life. Like that wasn't an aspect of no, it, right? We were just, cr- yeah. Yeah. He, we he were just, just literally having family conversations and he was talking about yeah. what he was having for dinner. And I was like, Oh, and I was sending him photos of my food and he'd be like, Oh, and we send you know, pictures of our kids. And then, you know, you'd get to the interview bit and I'd be like, well, listen, you know, I have to ask you about this for my book. And suddenly like the tone would change, right? Like it would be like, okay, well now, now we're talking business. So family stuff is put aside you know, we're going to leave the kids and the wives out of it. We're now going to have a conversation about UFOs. All right, let's do this. And then suddenly, just like Gene mentions, right, you don't really know where you stand anymore, right? The guy's the most honest when he talks about his grandkids and how he loves them with all of his heart and how, like, they're literally, he worships the ground his his, his grandkids walk on. But then when you start talking about UFOs, it's like a, a switch flips and now he's a different human being. He's an actor playing a role. When he well, becomes when I think the so UFO point, disinformation yeah. agent, otherwise he's a normal guy. As you said, you can have a beer with him or, or have a steak dinner or something and never, ever get to that subject. But as soon as you do, then you have this other guy. And that's why I said like an actor. The thing is, though, when we had him on the show, Gene, I've experienced that same feeling. He was very disarming. And then when we did start talking about UFOs, he just... To me, he just carried on, and he sounded just as sincere as he was before. I mean, he said, oh, yeah, he, when I was first introduced to UFOs, he was taken into a briefing room, speaking of debriefing, where there were a number of other officers who were on stations at various places around the world, and they were all shown films about UFOs that were very clear. 
that they made it clear to them that these are real objects that exist and so on. And, and it was very matter of fact, like, hey, look, this is just the way it is. Take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the impression I got from him. How much of that is true is another story. As you say, yeah. an actor playing a role, <laughs> yeah. an actor may indeed retain the personality with which you're familiar. But when he plays this other part, it's a totally different thing. And the thing I wonder about, it too, is whether he makes this up as he goes along, because supposedly he's changed a few stories over the years, whether this is the fixed story, if you look at the minor variations and bring them into conformity, or whether he's hired to do that. In other words, somebody's pulling his strings. Is, is he just looking for glory? Because you think here, this guy has an intelligence background. If he reveals anything that he can't reveal because of his background, he can get himself into a lot of trouble. And even hinting at stuff that is allegedly top secret but is really fakery, he could put himself on the edge. So why does he do it? Yeah. Because people approach him and they ask him. I think that's what it is. He was doing some kind of documentary like last time we were talking to him. Yeah, I I agree with Randall. I I think I think there's there's a bit of just he enjoys the spotlight. I I think he he has his own life and I think he has his own career. And I think it's predominantly, you know, outside of UFOs and occasionally sort of UFOs pop back into his life. And he just decides, listen, I'm just going to have some fun and maybe kind of keep the mythology going and you know, he likes the attention or whatever it is. Sure. Um, I mean, like if someone came along and said, hey, you know, come on out to the airport. We'll fly you out in a helicopter. You can have lunch and tell us all about this is the place where uh, you saw the UFO land and had the meeting with so-and-so. And like, what else is he supposed to say? You know, yeah. I'm too busy this afternoon. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, on another matter, though, you know, th- this idea of, of signals from space and technology and technology news, a uh, little tidbit here. And maybe uh, while we're talking about these things you can throw in uh, maybe a couple of uh, teasers for what you're going to be uh, showing us in your upcoming launch of the site but i ran across an article uh just actually earlier today that uh the arecibo radio telescope is being decommissioned it had a collapse it's suspension cables and uh it's quite tragic really but uh yeah this is the end of an era for a major piece of scientific equipment yeah, it definitely is. Actually, it's funny. I, I wrote an article about it for the debrief, which when the debrief <laughs> launches, it will be sitting as one of our sort of uh, initial debriefs, um, news stories. Um, yeah, it, it's really unfortunate. There was um, the area was hit by a, a few hurricanes over the last few years, and it, it caused some some damage to the to the structure. But, but really, it was this year in August that that uh, a support cable failed um, at the Arecibo telescope and it. And it literally crashed into the dish and it, it created a sort of 100 foot sort of tear in in um, the, the satellite dish. Um, and then in November, um, literally a, a few, I guess, weeks ago at this point, um, another cable failed. And, and, you know, engineers were there and they were assessing the, the damage and, and it was decided that it would be far too risky to put uh, construction crews um, into the sort of to fix all of the cables because uh, of of the damage that that currently exists. A lot of the cables are are now to the point where you know the slightest um, 
wind could basically knock them over. Um, so, so it was decided to, to decommission the satellite and just start de- demolition, um, which is sad. Um, I was actually, you know, I, I sent for the purpose of the article, here's a bit of a spoiler, but for the purpose of the article, I just quickly sent uh, Seth Shostak an email and said, you know, like as someone who works at SETI and, and, and SETI has used this telescope often, you know, what do you think? And then he was like, he was heartbroken. Let's break there. More to come with Gene Randall, MJ. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. After about a month of Extendivite, I don't know what it is about uh, the circulation factor. I was able to increase the weight, increase the amount of sets I could do. It has to do with the oxygen getting to the blood. You should market this uh, as an athletic performance. And I don't change anything about my diet or anything. I just thought, this is amazing. Bilberry extract has got something called resveratrol in it, which is the same stuff that you get from red wine. It's also good for eyesight, and I was reading that the uh, Royal Air Force during World War II would give their pilots bilberry jam so they could have better night vision stuff. This is amazing. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822, or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Hey folks, Tom D. for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. 
This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we continue with MJ Benias and the sad tale of the end of a radio telescope's usefulness. It's it's inside of a mountain, basically. Yeah, it's it's, it's in Arecibo. Yeah, it's, it's in it's South America. It's a massive dish. Yeah, and 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 it's funny because I think a lot of astronomers have sort of expressed, and Seth included, has expressed that this was sort of for a lot of them, you know, where they grew up, it was sort of, he, he, he described it as, as if his old high school was getting torn down, um, and, and his memories, you know, of, of being there and, and working with other scientists and, and using the telescope and, and, and meeting with all these other people from around the world who are also, you know, exploring the cosmos alongside him in just different ways. Um, you know, it was heartbreaking and, and it seems to be that, that a lot of astronomers are, are, are heartbroken that Arecibo is, um, is dying and it's dead. Um, but, but what's really interesting. And I think, I think where our, you know, our article kind of explores a little bit is, is the fact that the, 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 the next contender, our Arecibo's replacement is, is in China. Um, the Chinese government built a very large, um, radio telescope called fast. Um, and I can't remember the acronym now cause I've written a whole bunch of articles since then. Um, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. Regardless, it's, it's called the fast telescope F A S T in, in, it's in China and it's the largest, um, uh, radio telescope on the planet. It sort of replaced Arecibo in 2016, but now it is really the only one that, that can do what Arecibo used to do. Um, and, and, and there's, I think some anxiety amongst astronomers that, that it exists inside China, uh, especially if your political affiliation or, or maybe you've been vocal, um, from, as we started this episode with, right, with some political, um, statements maybe you've made in the past or, or, or you're an activist of some sort and a scientist, you know, will the Chinese government allow you access to use their, their observatory? You know, there's some anxiety that yeah. it's in China. Oh, de- definitely. I, I mean, okay. So, you know, who can deny that there are political issues when it comes to China? There are. I mean, so does that mean we can't talk about them? Sure, we should be able to talk about them. So that's fine. But also China is becoming a leader in high technology. So of course, it, it's not all entirely negative, right? The politics are really the only thing that's negative. The technology that they've got going there is pretty good, actually. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, what happens when you have a scientist with a conscience though, right? Or, 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 or you know, any situation where, where maybe a scientist has publicly in the past stated criticism of, let's say, the government in China or, or, or yeah. you know, past, aspects of maybe human rights abuses or they whatever. They just kind of disappear and then find themselves involuntarily donating organs. No, but, no, no. no, 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 no <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Sure. We're not supposed to get political. No, that's a little extreme. But I think I think what could happen is, is you know, let's say you have a, a team of scientists from, from a specific university or from a specific organization that has maybe in the past been vocal about maybe some of the um, issues in China. You know, I can see the 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 crew that, that runs or the, the organization that runs the, the telescope in china kind of saying well you know we're going to move them to the very bottom of the list and as other people want to take it, they're going to kind of keep getting bumped you know i'm not actually saying people are going to show up in china and then they're just going to vanish but i think that that there could be some political <laughs> issues where where teams may want to use the device uh, and use the observatory for for data collection and just won't be allowed to you know uh, because of, of or if they do past. find something, uh, you know, really out of the ordinary, sure. who knows if the rest of the world will even get to see it. That That's another thing. I mean, what guarantees do we have that that it is open and accessible for the rest yeah, of the world? And we need to be frank. I, I, I think the Chinese government is, 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 you know, it controls a lot of aspects of life in China. And, and I would have very little doubt that um, the, the radio observatory while it might not sort of quote unquote officially be under state control, um, it, it most likely is. Um, and, and it's just sort of a matter of, of whatever is discovered or found or, 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 you know, I'm sure China will want to have its hands involved in any major discoveries. I think you're well, right. But then we tend to think, oh, no, that would never happen here in America, you know, out at the VLA or something like that, They'll, you know, the very long baseline array type of thing but but i mean sure i mean what 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 do you think would really happen if we received uh, a signal from another star system that was undeniably intelligent yeah the, well, it, do you think they just give it away to everybody or would it be more like in contact where well, it's immediately taken over by the powers that be in the country where it's it's happening yeah, well, I mean, you know, realistically, it's 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 not live. This was part of the conversation I had with Seth. It, it, it's not really like you know they're they're all sitting around the computers watching. Um, really, what happens is is the, the telescopes um, collect the observatories collect the data, and the data gets routed through a server, and then the server and the attached sort of computer systems and the algorithm, the AI algorithms, run through all the data, and and then it sort of pings every time something interesting happens. So, so it's not like there's a bunch of scientists sitting around with like headphones on. Um, so I think what would really happen is if let's say fast was being used by SETI to, to look for stuff, it would be a while before, you know, anyone really noticed because the computer algorithm would have to run through all the data. And, and by that time, you know, it would be in California already. You know, I, I, I think, yeah. realistically, I, I think the thing too is, is, you know, let's say, let's say some amazing discovery was made so much. So to the point where, you know, something illegal was going to go down. I, I'm not sure if that would happen in the United States. Like, I don't think the Americans would, for example, take a bunch of like scientists and just like have them executed for, you know, I'm not, I don't think that's going to happen. I, and I'm not sure if that would actually, well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, it, well, yeah, I don't think anyone really do not, that. I not for think, discovering something, but for, you know, speaking out against the government, I could see them definitely, like you say, the wild blue so much for your access, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, I think that would be definitely sort of the most that would ever happen is just potentially some political um, 
maneuvering to just ensure that a certain university or a certain group of scientists couldn't have access versus others, right? What um, was really before- interesting about Arecibo, and I didn't know this before, uh, is that it could broadcast as well. And that's yes. one of very few that, that could, especially that large. Yeah, it was in, in actually in 1974 was the famous Arecibo message where, where the, 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 the observatory sort of pumped out a, a, a large sort of radio signal that was, um, I can't remember, it was uh, 160 bits. Um, this is 1974, remember. Um, it was like uh, 160 bits of, of data kind of arranged in a way that sort of showed a human figure and it showed the telescope and it showed some basic um, mathematical sort of e- like equations as well as some basic chemical equations like like the like carbon and hydrogen um, and the idea was, was any sort of intelligent alien species that receives the signal would very quickly be able to ascertain that you know this radio signal is not natural it's it it clearly contains you know the the chemical makeup of carbon and hydrogen there's some sort of odd stick man image you know this is not naturally occurring um and yeah it was it was sort of just this one-time effort to send out a signal into deep space um and it was pointed at a star cluster called i think it was mess messier 13 was the star cluster um and and you're just hoping that you know somebody picks it up, I guess. Um, but I think it's still traveling. I don't think it's made it there yet. One well, the thing yeah. also here, unless they have subspace radio or something, it will take that many years mm. to get back to us. Exactly. So what's the point? That's that's where the whole thing is so annoying that you may get the signal, but the signal is going to represent a civilization that no longer exists because the signal yes. was sent ten thousand years ago. We have no yeah. idea. How do you have a back and forth conversation? Then again, right. if we're looking into warp drive, I suppose we're looking into ways that we can send radio signals faster than light. You know, I, I think I think to you know to speak to that, Gene. It's it's. I think it would be it would be life. It would be game changing or life changing or, or or history altering if even we got a signal that was ten thousand years old. If, if suddenly we were able to find a signal from an intelligent species that was sort of thrown out into space and we received it, you know, 10,000 years later, it would be confirmation that intelligent life exists elsewhere in the cosmos, right? Even though they may be, they may be, they might be long dead. The fact of the matter is we're not alone um, or, or at least we're not the only planet where life happened. Intelligent life happened. The Um, the other thing to consider about that one, you guys, is that if we receive a signal and we can tell that it was aimed at us, and it was 10,000 years ago using basic radio, that means what if they evolved to the point where they could actually get here before the radio signal? Or See what I'm saying? So uh, it may be the fact they're on that, their way. <laughs> yeah, right? The radio signal's just ahead of the colony ship. Yeah, or yeah, or if yeah. they've solved, <laughs> if they've solved the whole you know FTL problem, they could right you know get here before their own signal. Well, that assumes, of course, that their science would progress in a way ours did when we first discovered radio. You You see, that's also has a bunch of assumptions there, too. But you wonder. And we got more to come with Gene Randall and MJ. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Today, many of us are paying attention to our health, and what we eat plays an important role. But so often, the water we drink is a mere afterthought when it should be a primary part of our daily nutrition. Real Water would like to change how you think about the water you drink and how it can play an important role in helping your body restore balance and reach its full potential. The key benefits of every bottle of Real Water are stabilized negative ions, balanced pH, detoxification, and it hydrates you like never before. And yes, it tastes great. Real Water is beyond alkalinity, and due to its proprietary process called E2 Technology, it's the only drinking water on the market that can maintain a stable negative ionization, which means real science in every bottle. Order your real water today and take advantage of special pricing for this audience only by calling 1-855-REALWTR or visiting buyrealwaternow.com. That's 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Order now, 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. See, that's the thing I always worried about when it came to radio telescopes. We're listening to signals, hoping the signal will somehow get to us. Number one. Two, understanding that if it's a signal that we can pick up, it was sent so long ago that two-way communication is impossible. And so many assumptions. Again, when we send out signals, because we have all of these radio waves going out, how far can they go and how far away can they be detected from? Again, I, I think it's just a matter of, of it would be confirmation that that humans were not, or at least you know, are not or were not the the only intelligent species out there. Someone else is, is sort of yelling into the void like we are. And and like I said, even though their message is ten thousand years late, at least it it shows us that that you know, intelligent life can exist elsewhere. Um, and I think this would be game changing. Um, and I think that that we would really sort of question maybe our place in the universe or maybe not we would just kind of keep going about our lives and you know keep buying starbucks how far do our signals travel as they are sure i mean if we're sending out you know i mentioned recreating with ai the superman tv series from the 1950s okay how far does that tv signal of the stations that received it in the 1950s how far can that signal be detected from 
We're right. not going to be separated from it's, all the, the schmutz in outer hypothetically, space. Hypothetically, really, hypothetically, there is really no distance, but the amplitude is inversely proportional to the square of the distance. So it gets weaker and weaker and weaker the farther out that it goes. But that doesn't mean that it can't be detected. We're detecting super small amounts of different kinds of EM radiation from what are now planets around other stars, ourselves, now. So, I mean, who's to say? If we can do that now, well, that's a pretty, pretty good idea that, well, somebody could probably detect some of the stuff that emanates from our system if they really wanted to. It's whether or not they're listening, I guess. This calls for another whiskey, I think. Right. Well, we're looking at we're looking at, say, I mean, if if you're saying back in the 50s, right, then, well, you're looking at what, 70 light years. Right. So in our local group, maybe we're getting too sciencey here for people. I, I don't know. No, I'm not sure we're getting too sciencey, Randall, but I think I think that this is this is sort of the perk of it. Right. You know, you have a conversation over a beer or a whiskey or whatever, and, and you get into these kind of complicated you know, what ifs about our, our literal search for for other intelligent life in the cosmos. I, I This is literally what like the debrief wants to be. Right. This is literally like we want to yeah. provide this ability <laughs> for people to just literally wake up, read their articles. And then like later on when they're at the bar, be like, you know what, man, I read this thing about SETI and they're like beaming radio things. And, and they're, like I, that's what we want. We want people to have these types of conversations uh, about what does it mean for our future as a species? Absolutely awesome. I just love the idea. And that's exactly what I was you know, trying to get going here is, is that kind of a conversation based on the sort of content that you'll be uh, bringing with the debrief project. I wrote a feature, not a feature, I wrote a short article on, on Seth Shostak. And then he said he predicts by 2036, um, we will have confirmation that another intelligent species has yeah. evolved. Yeah, he um, was saying even within the next yeah within the next uh, tw- twenty years, I yeah, think I and, read someplace that that's big for him. Yeah, um, and it was really interesting, and I I sort of asked him why. It's in the it's all in the articles. I'm gonna give you I'm giving you spoilers now inside information <laughs> to to the articles that we have yeah. written so far. Awesome. Um, but he sort of expressed. He said, you know, um, if we just sort of follow um, the the speed at which computers evolve. Right. Every year, computers double in speed or or sorry, every every two years, computers double in speed. You know, eventually by 2036, he says, you know, SETI computer systems will be so quick that they'll be able to you know, process so much information at, at such a quick rate that he said, you know, by 2036, we have we will have basically investigated uh, roughly a million star systems um or you know uh, solar systems i suppose and and he says you know at, at 2036 we will have seen a million of them and he says really at the end of the day it's a one in a million shot so let's just hope it's 2036 and then he said you know what he said even i will bet everyone in the world a starbucks coffee that by 2036 we'll we'll know another intelligent civilization at least exist. Like we'll have, we'll have something from them, evidence that they've existed. He's not, he's not making the claim that there will be two way communication and we'll be communicating with them. But what he says is we will hear someone out there yell, Hey, um, and we'll hear it by 2036. So at least we know someone out there long gone, maybe, or still kicking around 
yelled hey at one point um and he, and he bet everyone a starbucks um so so i i you know we we had a great conversation about this and you know i wrote an article about it but you know it, it's an interesting idea and i and i think you know you get into some computer technology some computer science you know the evolution of, of how computers ha- have have changed over the last you know few decades and also where they're going to go and, and where SETI's going to go and what SETI wants to accomplish the thing that bothers me about all this with the space program, oh, in the 2030s, we will be going to Mars. And I think, OK, we landed on the moon in 1969, had a few more trips, and the space program was a sort of went kaput sure. for so many years. And so, therefore, by 2001, there was no space odyssey because we kind of no. gave up on everything. Well, I mean... There's there's a lot of political reasons, economic reasons. Sure. I mean, you had the 1980s, which was like the most financially conservative era. You know, all the programs were abandoned in in the mid 80s, I believe. Right. I think, you know, after Challenger, right, everything sort of stopped. It was was that 86. So, yeah, I mean, I think you had a lot of other reasons to, to sort of slow the space program down. Um, but I think now, you know, we're changing, right? We're kind of coming back to it. I think we have been coming back to it. I mean, I think that there's a renewed interest and a renewed desire to understand the unknown again. Um, and, and, and these could be political, this could be cultural, this could be, there's a whole smattering of reasons. Um, but, but I think people are compelled to, to always explore. Um, and I think that maybe we had a setback, you know, for a few decades where, where no one wanted to do anything related, but, but I think that's changing. I think, I think we have this, this new push to, to go to the, the fringes of, of, of human understanding and explore them uh, as much as we can. Um, so, so, you know, at the debrief and other magazines like us, you know, I think we're sort of riding that wave. I, I think we're going to see a fundamental shift into a more um, space age um, and, and, and new science and new technology that, 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 you know, 10 years ago was unimaginable, but today is becoming reality. Okay. I what just, we uh, think though about, Getting signals from someone out there who says, hi, it's us. Okay, where does that leave UFOs? Because if UFOs are spaceships, as a lot of people believe, why aren't we getting signals now? Well, yeah, and that's and that's that's the big sort of question. I think, and that, and and, and like I said, you know, like I said, I, I had a very long conversation with with Seth Shostak, not to keep dropping his name all the time, but he he sort of said, you know, that's my question, right? Like, if UFOs and aliens are coming here and they're visiting from another planet, like, why aren't they doing anything? Like, why aren't they like just like showing up and saying, hey, right? You know, I mean, ultimately, if humans went out into deep space um, and and were you know trying to to find other intelligent life we would most likely announce ourselves quite loudly and and just like start screaming and yelling at the top of our lungs and saying hey we're here and he says you know how come the aliens aren't doing that like what is it about them um that 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 don't just simply announce their presence um and that was sort of his big criticism whether he's wrong or right you know i don't want to comment um i'm not sure if it really matters it's just his opinion but well it is an issue that should be discussed the question here is the origin of ufos if they are what they might be to some, most people. Okay, we have these unanswered questions, and Seth is asking a very logical, sensible question. Can it be answered? More to come with MJ, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. 
Paracast people. I'm Greg Carlwood, the host of the Higher Side Chats podcast, an uninterrupted and action-packed interview-based show where I talk to some of the brightest minds for our troubled times about all things paranormal, occult, esoteric, and conspiratorial. After 10 years, we've heard it all. Alien moon bases, archons, hollow earth, technocratic and biomedical agendas, magic, mind control, and Lovecraftian monsters. Oh my. Usually, the first hour of the show is free, and the second hour is for members who sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus at $8 a month. But praise be, we're giving Paracast listeners two free weeks of Plus when you use the all-caps coupon code PARACAST. Go to thehiresidechats.com, sign up with the code PARACAST, and dive into the nearly never-ending archive of great interviews I've been lucky enough to get over the years, from David Politis to David Icke, and many, many guests not named David. Check it out. You're going to love it. All right, Jane, was that good? Can we use that one? When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four-and-a-half to five-star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our made-in-the-USA microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra-large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay Wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part? Sunny Bay quality products started under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or Medicare, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So what does M.J. Benias think UFOs are? Oh, man. That's a gene. <laughs> Come on, man. You don't buy me some like buy me flowers first um now you're on the hot seat now i'm on the hot seat yeah you know I, I, i'm lighting the fire i can see that what are ufos i, I think ufos are, are a lot of things i think ufos obviously are misidentified prosaic objects aircraft the moon i think you know venus often plays a role in all this i think you know you have Obviously, you know, some drones and test craft and, and all that. So you have the typical kind of stuff. But, but I kind of fall into the, the similar sort of claim that I think Heineck made in the past and, and maybe Valley made in the past and, and others that, you know, there's going to be that percentage that, that we can't we don't really know what they are. Um, I've also spoken to a lot of people and interviewed a lot of people who have you know claimed to have seen anomalous objects. They would have no reason to lie. They'd have no reason to make it up. Clearly, they saw something that they didn't understand. They had an experience that they didn't understand and that was sort of anomalous. So, so I'm not prepared to sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I'm not prepared to say that, you know, for sure it's not aliens or for sure it's not, you know, interdimensional beings or time traveling humans. It could be. It could very well be those things. The problem is what I don't have is, is I don't really have the evidence to, to – pick what it is right um i don't want to fall into the realm of like i believe it's x or i believe it's y because like just like john keel famously said right belief is the enemy um what do i know right all i really know sort of truthfully or what i know for a fact is that is that people encounter and experience really strange things that don't make sense people encounter these bizarre moments um these anomal anomalies that sort of pop into their lives i know that Right. Like if you know that, then you must believe that. I mean, this I, this is another thing that, um, that sort of gets to me because the sort idea of. that belief is our enemy, I don't think is fair. If we didn't believe the things that we do on a daily basis before we decide to do them, we probably wouldn't get anything done. At yeah. some point, we sure. have to say, look, it's reasonable to believe that this is the case based on the evidence that we've been given and proof is simply evidence is sufficient enough to justify belief in a claim. So maybe I don't uh, like, like, listen, I believe in gravity, but, but gravity, it doesn't care if I believe in it or not. Right. So I can wake up every morning and say, I don't believe in gravity, but it still exists. Or I can believe that the world's flat, but the world doesn't care. It's still round. Yeah. But the world might be offended by the fact that you don't believe in it. Yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be, you know, like, so, so I, I, you know, I'm not sure really Randall, like, I, I don't know, like, I don't have, I don't have factual evidence to prove that UFOs are alien spaceships or, or interdimensional beings. So then I have to fall to belief in order to, to make a claim, but I don't have to do that with gravity, for example, right? I don't have to believe in gravity, but it still works. Right. But, but at the same time, let's say you're dealing with firsthand witnesses, and let's say those witnesses are pretty well educated and highly trained, perhaps like, say, someone like David Fravor. OK, now, when he says that what he saw with his own eyes 
wasn't anything like he's experienced in his entire life. And he believes doesn't even exist now within our own technology, then that's a significant statement. For him to say he believes that is a conviction by someone with impeccable credentials that should carry some weight with respect to the phenomena, whatever it is. Now, we might not know for sure that this tic-tac object uh, wasn't some sort of maybe advanced countermeasures that we're just we just don't know about and it wasn't actually a craft at all it's just something that was seen it may not be even a craft but whatever it is it was truly extraordinary to someone who is experienced enough to know what it would have been or should have been or could have been within an array that exceeds just about I, I I don't know. I, I suppose it wouldn't be fair to put out a number because then you can say, well, how do you know that? But I would say it's fair to say that his experience exceeds most people on the planet when it comes to actually what it is he's doing and knows about when it comes to the capability of things flying in the sky, because that's what he does. He's a flight commander on an aircraft carrier, you know? And I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I, think, I think David Fravor bumped into something that – he did not know what it was, and, and it was sort of anomalous, right? And I think we can kind of use that term sort of fairly here. Like, for the sake of argument, we'd say it was anomalous. But he's never made the claim that he says, well, but I know it's aliens, or I know it's otherworldly, or I know it's interdimensional. He's never said that, right? He said, I encountered something that I cannot explain. It doesn't make sense. But he's never gone down that road of saying, well, but I do know it's aliens from you know, whatever. And I think that, that that's the problem, right? I think when we say, you know, what are UFOs? We, we can, we can take the step. And I think it's fair to take the step, you know, UFOs exist in the sense that people have experiences with these anomalous vehicles, craft, whatever you want to call them. But, but then taking that, the, the jump next, the, the next leap is really a leap of faith because what happens after that is I don't know what I saw or I, mm-hmm. I bumped into something yeah. weird. I had an anomalous okay. experience, but it's aliens, right? And, okay. and we're like, well, hold on a second here. We don't really know that bit. Okay. Well, then again, it depends on how we define alien. I mean, this thing that Fravor saw was alien to his experience. It's alien to everything we know about our the boundaries and constructs of our known civilization. Nothing we know can make something like that if we presume it was some kind of a craft. Using the term alien for that is perfectly reasonable. That doesn't necessarily mean it was E.T. from Zeta Reticuli. We don't know that. We just know we didn't make it. We don't know where it comes from. It's beyond our experience. And if it's beyond our experience, I think we can go that far. And we can say, I believe that it is beyond our experience. And that's okay. But I also completely agree with you when you take that extra step and go, well, now I believe that it came from the same planet that Rael visited where he saw Jesus sure. and Muhammad and so on. Well, that, okay. That, that's another kind of belief that, yeah, and you use the word perfectly, faith. Faith in something that doesn't have sufficient evidence to justify belief in a claim. It's just a claim that's made that you have to take for granted or at the person's word is true. And that's where the problems are. Right. And, and I think I think a skeptic would also sort of say, 
and, and I'm going to I'm going to go down the skeptical road here. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm oh, not. Oh yeah, I'm no, not, do that. I mean, I'm not. We, we need that. Not necessarily my opinion here, but yeah. I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Uh, a skeptic would say, "Well, listen, you know, we're we're basing this conversation upon the claim of, of a few pilots, and, and and the video itself that they shot, right, the Tic Tac video from 2004, is really not enough to suggest that." this object or whatever is, is not man-made or other really, there's just not enough data they would say. Right. So, so we're really basing our argument in this moment, Randall, you and I are basing our argument upon the testimony and the anecdote of, of a few people. We're going to break here and we'll have more to come with MJ Benias and Gina Randall. You're in the Paracast. For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. Michigan's governor is asking legislators in her state to approve a $100 million plan for coronavirus relief. Governor Gretchen Whitmer sent a letter to Michigan legislators asking for their support for her plan to provide direct financial support for Michigan families. The state legislature will have to reconcile Whitmer's request with an estimated $1 billion shortfall in revenue next year. The United States has passed 4 million coronavirus cases for the month of November. There's been an average of more than 170,000 new cases a day as the country has tallied more than 13 million cases since the beginning of the pandemic. November's case total is more than double that of last month, with 1.9 million new cases recorded in October. The U.S. set another daily record for hospitalizations on Saturday as well, with more than 91,000 Americans in the hospital because of COVID-19. This is USA Radio News. As Congress returns to Washington on Monday, many members of both parties say that their top priority should be passing another round of coronavirus stimulus. But the current round of negotiations have been so far fruitless. Congressman James Comer says this bill should be targeted where it will do the most good. The Kentucky Republican told Fox News that he would like to see specific help for the restaurant industry in the next relief package. We passed that uh, CARES Act, and it made a difference. And the PPP loan program was probably one of the most successful emergency loan programs in the history of America. Moving forward to the second stimulus bill, we need to have targeted stimulus, the restaurant industry. I think that's the one industry that there's bipartisan agreement, that there is a, a desperate need for assistance. 
House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has proposed a broad $2 trillion package, while Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has brought a targeted $500 billion bill to the Senate floor. Lawmakers will also have to pass some form of spending bill by December 11th to fund the government in order to avert another shutdown. This is USA Radio News. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in this free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call them toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. Of course, that's true with most UFO cases, MJ, that it largely depends on testimony. Right. And, and, and a skeptic would sort of point out, you know, unfortunately, we don't have really any evidence to to back up Fravers claim apart from his as well as the other pilots who were there their story as to what they saw um and and that doesn't make facts and that doesn't make science is what a skeptic would say and and, and, and to a yeah, point I agree with, with them you. right like you know I don't want to base a new vaccine on anecdote um and and there's and there's you know there, there's there's logic to that and there's rationality to that and I think that's why sort of skeptics are important I think that's why we need skeptics within the UFO world um, because I think they really point out some of our blind spots but you know on the flip side of that let's deal with the non-flip side first first okay. of all yeah I'm on board with all of that for sure I've seen these videos I'm not particularly impressed with them I've looked at uh, a, a couple of the explanations by the skeptics where they've done the trigonometry based on the data in the video itself for the object in question and clearly shown beyond any reasonable doubt in my mind that we're not looking at some kind of an alien craft we're looking at what could be a drone or a balloon at some distances between the craft and the water, the go fast video, for example. No, the videos in my mind are not sufficient evidence, right? I, I was only looking at the situation with Commander Fravor and the people who visually cited this right. after being vectored to it by onboard radars and radars on the ships. So what you've got is a situation where you've got a a radar visual confirmation of an object in the air by real people. And what I don't think is fair that is to say, well, because though, right? they're, but Randall, because Randall, they're real Randall, people, that it doesn't count you. as evidence. We need to be clear here, right? We don't have that radar data, right? So, again, that's just testimony, right? And, that, and, and that's where the skeptics would say, like, listen, if you have the radar data, show it to us because then we can actually use that versus you're saying there's radar data, but we yeah. haven't seen it yet. Right? Fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Totally right. fair enough. And I said, like, I don't actually believe that. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not totally convinced by the skeptics' argument that, that for example, Fravor and the other pilots didn't encounter something anomalous. Like, I'm not convinced that that, that they didn't. 
I, but I'm, I see the point. And I think, and I think the UFO community, I think ufologists and I think anyone kind of looking at this topic needs to be very critical and needs to be very pragmatic. It's okay. It's okay to not pick a side and it's okay to kind of sit back and say, you know, I see what the skeptics mean by there's just not enough evidence. But I also see that you have trained observers whose job it is, is to, to kind of know what's going on up there and and when they say they say something and they saw something anomalous you know they're probably telling the truth and they and and there's something to be said for that and i think it's okay to be pragmatic i think it's okay to exactly kind of lean, lean back think- and exist in this kind of nebulous realm of you know maybe it is maybe it isn't and i think where where the ufo community really starts eating its own tail is they demand you show your cards. They demand you pick a side, right? They demand you sort of draw a line in the sand and say, what do you think UFOs are, right? They want, they want to pin you into a hole so that you have to exist. Uh, And unfortunately that's not real life, right? Like, like, you know, we ought not to be like that. It's okay. Okay. But hang on. I mean, some UFO people will do that. Others, certainly not myself wouldn't. Sure. I, I guess my right. my main point here is that okay let let's put let's just do a little mind experiment when it comes to belief and I think this will illustrate it perfectly and we'll use the example of David Fravor let's say in one instance he does a, an interview and he says I don't believe that what I saw was anything that was extraordinary this can be explained by our own technology it was most likely just part of the training exercise that we don't know anything about okay. Then you have another scenario where he says all this other stuff he says where, no, I, I believe that this was something truly extraordinary. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life, in my experience as an Air Force pilot. Now, those are two entirely different positions. If belief didn't matter and didn't play any important part in that testimony, then you could look at both of those and say neither one of them carries any weight. Right. But I think if Commander Fravor said it wasn't really that impressive, we shouldn't really be thinking about this or talking about it. We would never be talking like we would never really be having the conversation. Exactly. So belief is important because he believes as as sincerely in this experience. Right. If he's if he didn't, like you say, it wouldn't matter. So belief makes things matter. Oh, right. Oh, I, I don't disagree with you. Belief does make things matter. What it doesn't make is facts, though. Right. You know what I mean? Like it does add weight to a case, though. Right? Sure, because but you don't you have know, to believe in gravity for it to work, right? In order for me to be compelled by David Fravor's case, I have to believe in him. If David Fravor didn't sort of believe in what he was saying, you know, we we wouldn't really care. No one would would really care about this. It's it's the fact that that he does believe that sort of compels suddenly you know, us to look at the evidence that's been that's been presented so far, as well as the other testimony. But unfortunately, it doesn't really make it a factual event. We just don't have enough data to analyze to say it's 100 percent factual or or zero percent factual. You know what I mean? Like we we can't we can't make a decision. We can't make a really right. a truth claim. Yeah, I, I can hear what what you're saying there. But what I what I do say that is that it does add weight. So when you have people sure. who are reputable and have the kind of experience as someone like him does, then the reason we take it seriously is because their experience gives weight to the idea that this actually occurred. Yeah, but I mean, that, listen, that, that's, that literally every religion is based upon that notion, right? 
someone has a belief and you just simply believe in the prophet and, and their prophecy is, is like quote unquote real. I mean, a whole bunch of people believe that like some guy found gold tablets in Utah and Christ came to North America in the 1800s and people believe in it and follow it and it became real to them. Right. Doesn't necessarily mean it happened objectively. doesn't mean it's actually factual, but you have a whole religion called Mormonism that's literally based upon this principle. And, and I think that that's, that's where we really need to be cautious with, with any of this. And, and, and I think where, where we see sort of religious aspects of, of, ufology or any sort of paranormal belief is is we 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 need to understand that belief isn't necessarily fact and i and, and sort of going back to what i said before and, we, uh, oh, we need to remain pragmatic. Oh, oh i'm so sorry but i just cannot equate you know a squadron leader on an aircraft carrier with a religious prophet you know it, it it's such a straw man it it's not a straw know, that, man it's it's simply we're just taking his word for it He's he's not trying to promote himself as any kind of a prophet. He's describing an experience that happened to him. Okay, so it doesn't mean that this guy can go into his living room and look at his family and say, pray to me, because I look at him and like he's some kind of loon. Of course, when it gets to politics and religion, the subjects can become touchy. So let me make it clear, we're not here to attack anyone's religion we're just talking about a set of facts about something that did happen and how people reacted to what happened. Let's just leave it there and let us continue our discussion with MJ. That's the disconnect. Like there's it's one thing to say whether someone did have an experience where there was some paranormal event that happened that we would consider paranormal. They saw some strange craft. They saw some odd phenomena and so on. And they're relaying this as, as an objective in an objective way that this happened to them and then turning it into a religion. That that's in those are two entirely different concepts. But, you know, it raises another issue here, whether to some then the UFO mystery is a religion in the making, the belief that we're being visited by higher beings, extraterrestrials from another star system, and that some of us communicate with them. We have interactions. We have channelers. We have abductees. We have whatever. So we are in touch with these higher beings, and therefore we believe them to be superior to us, to have our best interests in heart, and therefore, it is possibly a religion in the making to some people. Whether MJ. that means anything more than that, I don't know. I'm not a religious expert. I should have, you know, bring back David Halperin for that. MJ Benias joins us with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. 
We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial or call 877-878-4203 complement your health with hemp derived cannabinoid oil we've always believed that the closer to earth the better it is for our bodies our hemp derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid rich full spectrum and organically grown finally hemp made easy clean and effective gcnhemp.com or call 877-878-4203 that's right we cut through the red tape it's now available at gcnhemp.com or call 877-878-4203 would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past introducing reveal from gcnlife.com beverly hills dermatologist dr nathan newman invented reveal which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens sulfates silicones or dyes for a salon quality hair growth product reveal here's dr newman i have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence we've created a unique set of polypeptides which we call hpt6 the hpt6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants the scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp the reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike get reveal at gcnlife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee so try reveal today at gcnlife.com or 844-443-6637 plus a discount up to 25 percent off for reveal at gcnlife.com or 844-443-6637 Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. By the way, MJ is going to join us on After the Paracast, available to subscribers of the Paracast Plus. And I have some cultural questions to ask him. But I'll just bring this in since I dropped it in. We're in the final segment of our regular show, MJ. 
Do you think there are things about the UFO mystery that may relate to a religion in the making? Uh, of course there are. I, I think you have a lot of individuals within the UFO community who have, have sort of clearly turned the UFO discourse or, or the UFO sort of narrative into their own personal little faith slash cult, you know, whatever you want to refer to it as. And I think ufology does have, and I think sort of UFO discourse does have a religious component in that, like, in literally the, the conversation Randall and I have been having, where does belief stand and does belief make fact? Dabbling in this idea of, of, of sort of where the real exists and, and where maybe the, the mythological exists. So I think that there's definitely faith-based components to the UFO community to the UFO subculture. We also have within ufology a sort of cult of personality. We sort of lionize certain figures and characters because of their maybe contributions to the field or or, or how they've moved the discourse in a certain direction or not. Individuals like Jalen Hynek, you know, Jacques Vallée are sort of lionized and, and they sort of have a sort of cult of personality. They're viewed as, as, as geniuses and, and, and forefathers and, and all this. So of course, there's a, a sort of religious overtone, I think. Where I think we need to be careful, though, is, is is clearly I think that there's enough weirdness out there, maybe. And again, maybe this is a belief of mine. There's enough weirdness out there. There's enough anomalies out there that, that sort of indicate something is happening. But again, I'm also fine to, to sort of, like I said, lean back in my chair, remain pragmatic and, and say, you know, that being said, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And, and I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'm not going to go to war or fight anybody over it. My belief turns out to be not true. Uh, OK, that's fine. I was wrong, I guess, where I'm not sure if, if some people are, are willing to remain sort of that pragmatic. Uh, that is so important, isn't it? In their faith. faith. Yeah. For, for people to be able to have a conversation, and it's fine where, you know, when it comes to belief, it's not so much whether belief represents fact, but whether or not belief has value and, oh. and what value it has in the proper context. So if we believe, like you say, if you believe something and then, you know, I might believe something too. Right now, I believe the best explanation for UFOs in terms of how they're defined within a certain parameter as alien craft would be an extraterrestrial interstellar explanation. Now, maybe some evidence will come along to change that belief. And if we're not ready to change our beliefs based on the better evidence, then that's where the real problem is. I think it's okay to believe something to the extent that it fits the available evidence as best as possible. And if something better comes along, then change your beliefs. Beliefs don't have to be fixed in stone. I guess it depends who you talk to. <laughs> There'd be a lot of religions who would disagree with you. Yeah, on that well, one. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, let's just say it ought not have to ought be. Ought not to be. Then yeah, that's, that's me just representing an opinion, of course, and I'm trying to persuade people to be more open-minded and to look. I think essentially you and I are quite of the same mind, and that that a lot of this is just talk for the sake of we like to talk about this sort of stuff, and and I think it's absolutely fascinating and wonderful to have you on the show to do that. Oh, I, I appreciate it. You know, it's always an honor to to be on the Paracast. I, I truly enjoy sort of the, the depth of conversation that we get to and that it, it sort of just ends on a civil note where, you know, we don't um, we don't devolve into animals uh, <laughs> growling at each other. Oh, and, and, that is and, such a shame. Speaking of lionizing certain people in the uh, community, 
Uh, you are well acquainted with one Chris Rutkowski, who does the Canadian UFO survey and donated some 30,000 UFO-related documents to the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg, here in Canada. Last time he was on the show, he spoke very highly of you and says, you know, we've got to have a good conversation with you in the near future. So here you are. I'd like to know how you crossed paths with Chris. So uh, when I first sort of began my foray into this, I was sort of a young man fresh out of university and, and my academic background was in sort of literary studies and culture studies. I was really interested in studying subcultures and I sort of bumped into a few people who ran a paranormal investigation sort of group. And I sort of volunteered and said, listen, I would really like to talk to some of the people who, you know, claim to see ghosts and, and, and have sort of paranormal encounters. So I said, you know, I don't really want to go ghost hunting with you, but you know, do you mind if I sort of help out and maybe run your emails and answer emails for you and, and be a sort of secretary and in exchange, you know, I can ask these people questions questions and get some information just sort of on background. You know, they agreed and I, and I did actually go on a, a couple ghost hunts with them just for fun. And, and they're the ones who introduced me to Chris Rakowski and said, you know, we sometimes talk to him and we sort of consult with him on occasion for stuff because he's sort of an expert in, in sort of the paranormal in, in Canada and Winnipeg, where, where we're both from. He and I spoke and he said, man, you know, you're into subcultures. I got a subculture for you and it's the UFO community. And and I was like, OK, you know, tell me more. And, you know, I think we went for beers or coffee or something. I can't remember. He sort of, you know, filled me in on this sort of UFO thing. And I started reading books. He gave me sort of a stack of books to read. And I read J.L. and Hynek and sort of the classics. And then I started writing about it. And, and here we are today, sort of seven or eight years later now. You know, we're good friends. And now that I blame him for everything that's happened in the last <laughs> eight years of my life. We blame Chris Rutkowski, too, quite often when he's on the show. But he does a killer impression of Ming the Merciless. <laughs> He sure does. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. We actually ha use it for the show, but that's from the more recent version from the second iteration of Flash Gordon, or third, actually. There was the original with Larry Buster Crabb. There was one in the 50s on TV last a season or two with an actor named Steve Holland. And then Sam Jones played in the movie version where they had the theme song Under Pressure from... Queen and David Bowie. Mm -hmm. And the Max Van Sydow version of Ming is the one that we hear from Chris Rutkowski. The music, because it's out of copyright, that I include is from the original movie. That's the Ming theme from which John Williams adapted the Darth Vader theme. I don't know why we're doing this. There's a lot of cultural stuff I want to talk to you about, MJ, and I want to bring it up in... The After the Paracast, our premium show, since you're going to be hanging around for that. We've got you held down with straps and everything so you can't leave unless your kids wake up. But before we let you go for this episode, take a minute or so to tell us more about Debrief. Yes. So for all of you who are interested, please visit www.thedebrief.org you can find us on twitter at debrief media as well as on facebook it's a brand new science and technology news site that's going to deal with some of the topics i think that that a lot of the fans of this show will, will thoroughly enjoy you know if you can't find us there you can find me on twitter at mj Benias, or you can come to my website mjbenias.com and you can find all of my work as well as sort of links to to the debrief and and, and all of the work we're doing there so you know i would 
really implore people to, to come visit. Uh, as I said, you know, it's, it's a site owned and operated by journalists who are who are just trying to tell the news um, in, in an efficient way. Um, and, you know, we're not owned by any corporation or conglomerate. So every click and visit matters. Um, so I hope uh, to see some people on there and, and, and communicating with us and, and tweeting about it. Um, and obviously any questions or comments are, are greatly appreciated. We will certainly keep track of it and talk about it as much as we can. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the PowerCast. You can also find us on Facebook, a couple of PowerCast community group thingies. We also have branded merchandise for the PowerCast, four different logos. We have the T-shirts and the throw pillows, and we're still working on the site to make it even better for you with really good prices. So check out thepowercast.shop, thepowercast.shop. We also offer the PowerCast Plus, where you get a version of this show free of the network ads, plus the After the PowerCast podcast, which quite often continues the discussion that began here. And we've roped MJ into staying with us for a while for After the PowerCast this week. We're offering special prices for subscriptions for the duration of the pandemic, which we hope ends yesterday, but you can take advantage of the price. And if you buy a five-year subscription or a lifetime subscription to the PowerCast Plus, while they last, you get an exclusive free coupon for the phenomenon. That's the movie from James Fox with three hours of experts. Check the Plus for more. The Plus for more. MJ, thanks for joining us on The Paracast. Thank you very much, Gene and Randall. It's always an honor. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.